This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobine. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much. Also joining us this morning... The ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson. Good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys? We're great. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, Before we get started, I think we all want to take the opportunity to wish uh, all of the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. Uh, Certainly an important day in in the calendar. Uh, Naz, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity, and Mike, I'll give you the opportunity as well. Happy, happy Mother's Day to my uh, mother-in-law, Terry, and my wife, Mary Lane. Happy Mother's Day. Mike? Well, I got two. I got my daughter. I'd like Andrea to, to wish her a happy Mother's Day for Holly, my granddaughter, and, of course, Debbie. Yeah, but then I'm going to let Debbie actually make me uh, French toast today as a as a <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got two in the house with me right now. I've got my wife, Rita, and I've got my daughter, Andrea, that's with us uh, for a while. And uh, also, I've, after this show's over, I'm heading over to see my mom and bring over some flowers, and then i got my mother-in-law. Uh, coming over too. So to all the mothers out there, have a fantastic Mother's Day. Um, Gentlemen, let's get into it. Uh, Later on the show, we're going to be talking some golf with national acclaimed, uh, acclaimed national golf writer Robert Thompson, talking about Mike Weir and also the golf lockdown. But it's been a while, guys. The Leafs have won a title. We have not the title we want, which is the Stanley Cup. But we have finished first and clinched the Northern Division. Uh, an accomplishment, certainly in Leaf Nation. Uh, why not rejoice when we get the opportunity to rejoice? There's a lot of work to be done, but this is the finest collection of Leaf talent we have seen in a long, long time. Uh, we're getting ready for the playoffs. It's uh, full steam ahead. Naz, uh, your thoughts? Uh, Leafs beat the Habs la- a weekend Habs team last night um after a miserable first period they were pretty good after that but first period boy were they awful yeah i mean uh montreal played them badly and only was leading one nothing so uh, that's fine i'm I'm more i'm uh yeah there's no question it's a keen observation as leafs uh as I said uh, when I was watching the game last night, are they gonna are they gonna figure out that the game has started? But took them a couple of periods. Uh, sorry, took them a period. Uh, but uh, they they did what they had to do to win. And Campbell looked strong. Uh, held them in the game. Mike, uh, we haven't had an opportunity to chat with you for for a while. You are the ultimate Leafs fan. Uh, one of the keenest observers of. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs that I know, and certainly in the present context, and also in the historical context. Context. Uh, let, let's uh, let's get your thoughts on the Leafs season and what we can look forward to. 
Well, I like the fact that what they've done is they've, they've built a strong core of, of depth around the star players. The, the top six is as good as anybody in the National Hockey League. I think the key has been not only the play of 34 and 16, which is obvious, but uh, Johnny Tavares, everybody has to reach out. Look at how he struggled at the beginning, and he's turned his game around. And what that does is that allows the Leafs then to have that lethal combo of his line with the Matthews line back-to-back, and it's pretty tough to check all six of those guys at any given time. Uh, William Nylander, I'd like to see him. He's, he's just one of those guys that's uh, going to be a perimeter player. That's why it's important to have on the other side some aggressive playing. And that uh, Galchenyuk has filled in really well in that role. Uh, the third line, I think if they keep Engvall with uh, Hyman and Mikhaev, I think that could be as good a third line as Maple Leafs have probably ever had. Probably should go way back into the day. Uh, and the fourth line, you've, you've got a good mixture of guys there that can, that can sort of certainly mix it up. Uh, I like the fact that, as I've said, I'm repeating myself here, but the depth, and that's the key. You're always going to win. When your best players outplay the other, players best, other team's best players, most of the time you're going to win. But what really counts when it gets down to the, the grinding of the tournament, as we like to call it, the playoffs, it's those bottom six, and that's the key. And I think Toronto has... Kyle Davis, let me take that back, has done a remarkable job in bringing in a lot of depth with a really limited budget to work with. Certainly, uh, certainly you you, uh, make a a really good point, Mike. When it comes to playoff times, uh, as Harry Neal says, your best players have to be your best players. But you look through you look through history, and it's always those guys on on the on the third and fourth lines that uh, score the key goals, make the make the key defensive. shifts uh they are the they are the difference makers and in, in when you, uh, i got to apologize last week uh it was brought to my attention from one of the listeners i said we hope that the leafs have another 12 victories uh sorry have another uh, uh 12 victories after the season starts what i what i meant was 16 victories of course we're talking about four four victories and four playoff series you got to go through that grind of four playoff series those bottom two lines make a huge difference. And you know what? For the first time that I can remember in a long time, the Leafs actually have uh, a difficulty deciding uh, fitting guys into the lineup because they've been playing well, and you got Hyman and Foligno, who uh, Hyman is certainly, certainly an integral part of this team. And Foligno was the guy they picked up uh, that was going to provide that sandpaper. And now you got to figure out where to put them back in the lineup. There's, there's no question they're going back in the lineup. But then you've got to take a couple of players out. But you've got depth for the first time in a long time, Naz. Uh, Hyman, Foligno, where, they, where do they go back in this lineup? Where does, where does Sheldon Keith put them? Well, Foligno should go back to the first line, and Hyman should go on a checking line on the third line. But the, the two guys they need is Hyman and Felino. The um, power play and the penalty kill have been awful. And that's the one negative that we have on this team. Their power play and penalty killing has been atrocious the past two months. And they need uh, to straighten that out. Yeah, no, you're, you're uh, absolutely correct there, Naz. I was, uh, you beat me to the punch. Uh, I want to get, get Mike's thoughts on this. Penalty kill... Leafs, I believe, are 26th in the league, um, which is not... If, if there's two things that are concerning about this Leafs team is the penalty killing and the lack of uh, a potent power play, let's say the last month or two. Mike, uh, any concerns there? 
Well, they're always a concern when your special teams aren't are performing because when it gets down to the crunch, they will make a difference, and they could they're they're the deal breaker. But the fact is, it can be turned in any given moment. A puck off a skate, off a hip, off a helmet, anything that can turn things around real quick to turn that power play the right way. I think most teams that have been going against Toronto Maple Leafs, if you watch, they crowd the center part of the of the offensive zone, making the Leafs keep the puck on the perimeter, and everything seems to center to 34. And why not? Because everything you shoot has been good shooting has been going in the net. But I think in the playoffs, if they spread that a little bit more, I think there was just too much key with the puck. Because two years ago when they had that problem, everything went through Marner. And all they did was shut the other two guys down, and that's what stopped the power play at that point in time. It almost seems to be a bit of the same of that, only with Matthews this year, because they're trying to keep him out of it, even though he's got 10 playoff goals, but still, or power play goals. But the fact is, I think once the playoffs start, everybody squeezes the stick a little tighter on both sides of the ice. So I think it'll level things off a little bit. And as far as the penalty kill goes, it'll be the same thing there. I think it's just the aggressiveness will step up a little bit. I think they have the horses that can, that can do the job. It's just sometimes bad logs and bad goals going in. And they, listen, the penalty kill has been good the last 20 or 22. They've given up only two goals, I think. Uh, so I, I'm not as concerned about that right now. I will be if we get into the playoffs and they start losing some games as a result of that. But you know what? It's a brand new season for everybody. They've got the horses to do it. Just relax a little bit and play. Uh, Nez, uh, Rasmus Sundin has been uh, uh, sitting the last couple of day- games, not so much for his uh, play on the ice, because his play on the ice, uh, I-, I would say, is almost a revelation. Uh, he certainly has improved his game. I think he's been sat for salary cap reasons. Um, Rasmus Sundin, first game of the playoffs, number 38. Well, we'll be seeing him out on the ice. Absolutely. He's been going on the number one power play for the past three or four games that he's been playing. I think he's definitely an in. I think. Uh, Who do you drop? Bogosian's not going to be back in time, for what we understand. So I'm sure Sandin will get into the lineup right from game one. Um, Mike uh, Sandin, uh, we put him in. Who uh, who sits? I'm not so sure about Bogosian, what his status is, and if he comes back, uh, how does how does uh, Sheldon keep uh, reshuffle the D? While I well, I've actually Ben Hutton played a very good game last night. If you notice, he gave them a yep. little bit of uh, aggressiveness uh, behind their own blue line, and that they're missing. And that's going to be key, especially if they play Montreal, which looks like that's what they'll be playing. Uh, you want to stop some of those pesky boards, and you saw the way he put um, Anderson into the boards in the third period. There, I think that caught everybody a little bit off guard. So that that is his game. He's got some experience. Uh, Bogosian, if he's ready, he'll be in the lineup because you need that. You do need that type of uh, uh, toughness. Sandine will get to play. If Bogosian's not ready, he'll be in the lineup opening night. But I would like to think that you want to set the table right off the bat and come at them aggressively, and you're going to put your strongest guys. And you want you need some. They've got enough offense up front to score. They need to get the puck out of their own net, and that's that's the key. And I think if Bogosian's ready, he'll be. And if not, Sandino will play. And if the guy I think that comes out could be vulnerable, it'll be Dermott. Um. Playoff time uh, has uh, we we've all known over the years. Your most valuable player is generally always that guy who's between the pipes. Uh, mm-hmm. You you know uh, you, you look through history when uh, goalies have literally 
won Stanley Cups, the most recent example being uh, Bennington in, in St. Louis, going way back to Ken Dryden uh, in 71. And so many times through history, uh, if your goalie's better than the other team's goalie, sometimes a lesser team can beat a better team. Jack Campbell has looked good. Um, certainly the last while he looked good. You know, he's doing the things he has to do when the Leafs aren't off to a good start in a game. Last night being the classic example of sort of holding them in until they find their legs. Freddie Anderson's played a couple of games with the Marlies. I can't say that he's set the world on fire down there. Uh, going into the playoffs, I don't think there's any question at this point that Jack Campbell's your number one goalie. Uh, who's sitting on the bench as the number two? And uh, what role do we anticipate Freddie Anderson might see during the playoffs? Naz first, and then over to you, Mike. Jack, Jack Campbell starts. Freddie Anderson goes in as the backup to begin the series. And then if he falters, Campbell, you'll see Anderson in for him. They have to go with those two guys for sure. Mike, uh, how do you? Uh, first of all, your uh, your thoughts on the Leaf uh, goaltending? Uh, I don't I don't want to call it a situation because Campbell's been playing well. Uh, but uh, in a playoff, sixteen games, uh, a lot of things can happen. Where do you, where do you see this going? Well, here in the net, so he's going to get it. He gets the he, you know he's earned the job, so it's his. And I mean, the key for the Leafs is it seems to be that one of the keys to goaltending is the less shots. As stupid as this is going to sound, is the less shots on net, the less they can go in. Okay, so the key is to give them the first shot. Don't give them the second and the third one. And the Leafs have been doing a good. When you see when they win, they're 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 able to do that for Campbell. So they play sometimes maybe a little harder for him because he was labeled as the backup to start. So that just seems to have carried through. It's working. Don't break it. And if Anderson's ready. Make him the backup, but if not, we got two other capable guys that can step in. Look at look what Hutchinson did last year in Colorado. Look at Cam Ward in Carolina when he he stepped in. You never know. Patrick Waugh came out of the stands as the fourth goalie and never won anything in his whole life. So you don't know. It, it, it's just it, it's that's why why the playoffs are so exciting because the just expect the unexpected and that's the key. But for Toronto to start off with, put Campbell in that and just. Just try and keep those second and third shots to a minimum. But if he, he can stop the first one. They're not going to score too many goals on him from around the top of the red circle or from the blue line. And if they can limit it, keep the puck to the perimeter, it's going to make his job that much easier. And that's where everybody has to dig in. Look at Pittsburgh when they won back-to-back. Look at the size of the forwards they had up there with guys like Kessel. They, they won, and they kept the puck out of their net. And they just made Murray's job that much easier. Toronto should use that blueprint. And if they do, you'll see some success. Uh, we certainly uh, last we're into the last week of the season. The playoffs are with us. Uh, the week following, uh, we're going to get into the playoffs. Leafs have uh, finished first overall. Uh, if memory serves me correct, Pittsburgh has clinched in their division. I think Vegas and Colorado have been are still going at it. And a surprise this year, Carolina finished first in their division. So. Uh, Certainly should be uh, an exciting, exciting playoff uh, time. Anyways, it's time for our first break. Mike, you're going to hang in with us uh, for the next segment as well, and we'll talk some more hockey. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Ray Hall, that's ordering inflatable toys. 
for others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Raul wants is an inflatable waist. Pizzaville stone baked pizza, fiercely Canadian, authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. His only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also uh, joining us this morning, the ultimate lease fan, Mike Wilson. Guys, uh, we, uh, we've uh, chatted quite a bit about the Leafs, but the big story in hockey this week uh, was uh, Tom uh, Wilson decided he was going to go rogue again. Uh, of course, Tom Wilson, the uh, 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 number 43 for the Washington Capitals, at least I think that's his number, um, was in the center of it again, as he usually is. I don't know how many times he's been suspended uh, over the course of time. Um Probably not as many times as they should have been. And curiously enough, uh, after uh, after uh, uh, having some fun with a couple of Rangers and ragdog, ragdolling Buchnevich and Panarin, uh, the next day, George Peros, the director of public safety at the National League headquarters, decided it wasn't suspendable. Uh, he got a $5,000 fine, which is apparently the maximum under the collective bargaining agreement. And that set off a furor in the hockey world, uh, which uh, led to a regrettable statement issued by the New York Rangers, maligning uh, George Peros, and also led to a heated exchange last night on Hockey Night in Canada between Jennifer Botterill and Kevin Bieksa and Glenn Ely, uh, which has made the t- Twitter rounds uh, this morning. Um, Tom Wilson, certainly a controversial figure, um, Naz, uh, I don't know if you're like me, uh, knowing that we were going to talk about this. I've had the opportunity to watch this in slow-mo about 23 times now. 
Uh, Mike, I'm sure you've uh, you've looked at it as well. Guys, your thoughts very, very quickly uh, in the sense, did George Harrow's do the right thing? Was $5,000 fine enough? Nes? Absolutely not. You should have got at least a, the season plus part of the season next year. That was a gutless af- thing, and he's, he's a gutless player, too. He's a tough guy, but He's very dangerous on the ice, and you got to get rid of that crap in the league because that was terrible, just terrible stuff. He still gets away with it all the time. Mike? Well, okay, I mean, you think about well, when Wilson plays against the Leafs, the only thing I like about him is he's got a great last name. But, you know, here's a guy who... Here's a guy who has played on the edge since he stepped in the league. He's one of those guys, he just doesn't get it. And... He's always taking cheap shots at guys. He always has to do the extra. And he does. And the, and the sad part about it is he doesn't need to play like that. Like, he should go back and look at some YouTube videos of Bob Probert. That's how you're supposed to play the game as a powered enforcer with, some, with, with an edge to your game. Um, but as far as that situation the other day, any other player, if you think about it, you know, the, the push in front of the net, he pushed them on the shoulder. Yeah, it was a little bit over extreme, but, you know, he took a shot at the goalie, and that, that's normal hockey stuff that happens. Panarin jumped on his back. He threw him down once or twice. Now, he smacks his head on the ice, and some serious damage is done. We're having a whole different discussion. If he was suspended one game, none of that stuff would have happened. And, of course, with the Rangers executives getting fired, Gordon and um, uh, Davidson, all of a sudden the players are on call, so he knew that was going to happen, the brawl on Wednesday night, and that probably was the biggest viewing audience the NHL Network had the whole year. So the thing about it is you, you, George Peros, he was an enforcer himself. He's going to give, uh, you know, I don't want to say he's going to give his guys a lot more rope, but his, his mindset is going to be a little different than a guy who's maybe, than maybe like somebody like Thomas Sandine or somebody like that, okay? So the idea would be the $5,000 fine, was it enough? Probably not, but that's the rule. Zach Hyman got fined five thousand dollars for a stick over the head, uh, you know, about a month ago. It's the rule. The rule has to be looked at. I think you need more than one guy making that decision. And as a repeat offender, he should have been suspended at least a couple games for sure. But and then the fact he was in the penalty box and he almost really hurt that kid Panarin, and then he's flexing in the in the, the penalty yeah, box, which is the, the whole whole crap. No, like need a break. Yeah, he was doing a Hulk Hogan. Actually, um, um, before I'm going to preface my remarks about these incidents by saying yes, he should have been suspended. Um, end of the, the the rest of the season, yeah, why not? Um, at, at a minimum, from a logistical, practical point of view, he should have been suspended the next game against the Rangers where we ended up with the line brawl before the game. If that wasn't foreseeable uh, and, and avoidable, um, just for that reason. But you actually look at these incidents. Tom Wilson, yeah, he crossed the line. But in the Tom Wilson world, these were love taps. Uh, he had an opportunity to... Ser- he, had, he had two defenseless guys that he seriously could have injured. Mm-hmm. He wanted to, so he he did sort of hold himself back a bit. I'm not going to defend it, uh, but in his world, uh, the, these were these were love taps. Where I thought he crossed the line, and he he had an opportunity to seriously injure both of these guys, especially Panarin, who was defenseless without a helmet, and he was ragdolling them. 
what I found where he crossed the line is he, these weren't hockey scrums. They turned into WWE scrums. They weren't hockey fights. Like when you're pulling a guy by his sweater and ragdolling him um, and turn, and body slamming somebody, uh, am, am I watching a hockey game or am I watching the WWE? I, I, mean, I don't know if Vince McMahon, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be... Uh, uh, you know, a, a little bit uh, facetious here. Uh, if I was, if I was Vince McMahon, maybe I'd be, I'd be calling Tom Wilson's agent, and maybe this is the, especially with the Hulk Hogan routine in, in, in the penalty box. Maybe you know this guy maybe should be in the WWE. Uh, he's, he certainly seems to be auditioning for it. Uh, but that led to this whole incident. So I think we're all in agreement. That uh, suspendable, yes. It just—it's not hockey as we envision it today. Um, uh, certainly, Jennifer Botterill and, and Bieksa uh, last night on on Hockey Night in Canada—they really, uh, uh, in a very respectful way—and uh, they both made their points. Bieksa, obviously, from the point of an ex-player, and Jennifer Botterill from the point of a, of an observer and an Olympic champion in a different way. Um, but I think we can agree to disagree. But interestingly enough, the New York Rangers the next day issued a press release, or the or after after the the non suspension, and they basically attacked George Paris's uh, not so much his integrity but his competence. Um, I, I think they were lucky to get away with just a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. I don't know if that's the maximum, but if I was Gary Bettman, I probably would have put that one at a million dollars. The maximum is a million dollars. Yeah, I, I would have got full. I would have got full bore on that. You know what? You can disagree. You can disagree with the decision all you want. That's fine. That's fair game. But when you make it personal and you attack the uh, competence or integrity of George Paris, and I didn't think he deserved it, you know, people refer to George Paris as a former enforcer in the game. Yeah, he was. From what I understand, he's also an Ivy League graduate or, uh, or a Princeton guy. So, you know, be careful when you start attacking people's integrity, especially if you're part of the same business. Well, well let, let me say this. Um, it's interesting that, that that comes up because uh, actually it's ironic um, – this week on our, our podcast, I'll give myself a shameless yes, self please. I, I was actually going to segue into your podcast before we let you go, Mike. But go well, ahead. Squid me out the leaf, fam. We have Doug Smith on this week. And Doug Smith is the guy. Remember the movie Goon? Yeah. He is the guy who the movie was based on. And I read his book, and he's coming on this week on to join us. And it's very interesting, his take on his role. And I'm also coincidentally reading Stu Grinson's book, The Grim Reaper, excellent Grim Reaper. book, if anybody wants to read it. It's very, very, and he's a lawyer, by the way. Um, he, the interesting thing is the code that these guys have as fighters in their roles. And this could open a whole discussion moving forward about the instigator penalty in the U.S. or in the NHL and having that removed and letting the players police themselves. Because let me tell you this, if Wilson, now the, the thing that Wilson did wrong is he attacked two guys that aren't guys who are fighters and guys who aren't in that type of role. But if he looks over the bench and he saw a Grimson or a Probert or somebody along those lines sitting on the bench, he may have a second thought about what he did because he knows he's going to have to answer for it. So that, that, that brings a whole topic of discussion back to players placing the game themselves. But the interesting thing that I took from both these guys' books and we'll get into it with Doug on Thursday, and people should have a listen to this next week, is the fact that you don't, you, there's a role for you to play, and there's a code that you have to do for your role, and they understand it. He crossed the line. 
No question he did, and he should have, he should pay for it. But who's going who's gonna to challenge him on the Rangers? Nobody. Somebody, somebody's all... going to get eventually get him though. Somebody's going to eventually get him because he's he's got a bad reputation now. They're going to go after him. He got hurt. Game he's been doing this for years, and nobody's done it in the gym yet. Yeah, like somebody's, but but the idea is, is he'll get his way he plays. He, he, he could. I, he, you, you hope that he does at some point, but in actual fact, probably won't. Who's going to go after him? Because you don't, you can't. You, nobody's going to do anything in the playoffs because you can't risk taking that penalty, and you don't want to be the guy to do that. So what are you going to do? Again, let's go well, back to the start of this conversation, and the idea is that. You know, maybe it's time that Danny Chell, we start looking. And, and look at all the cheap shots in the NHL this year with slew foots and guys hitting from behind and head shots, all that stuff. None of that stuff went on back in the old days when the, when the guys who were placing themselves were sitting on the bench. You'd have to answer the bell. You would. And it, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm all for it. And, I, you know, I don't want to sound like Don Cherry here, but the fact is, is that there's a, there's a role for that in the game. And I think in a situation like you saw on – Monday night, that just exemplified it to a T. And the Rangers, of course, they're all going to fight. God, you've got new management coming in there. And the fact is, you better stop. Like, I'm 5'8 and 170 pounds. I would have been fighting anybody to keep my job. So you knew that was going to happen. But and the I Rangers they made... didn't have a team to get back at them the next night. They tried to fight their way out of it, but they, yeah. they looked good. They yeah, don't have then, any Nance, aren't, aren't we then going back to uh, here, here's here's uh, aren't we then going back to a world where every team has to have an enforcer? But that those days are gone, and the only reason Tom Wilson is able to do this and survive in the NHL is he can play hockey. That's right. He actually can play hockey. He's got 33 points this year, pretty close to it. He actually is a good hockey with. player. And, and, you right can't, and that's the only reason, that's not the only reason, but if he couldn't play hockey, he probably wouldn't be on the Washington Capitals. And that's, that's the difficulty, that's the difficulty matching up against this guy, because the guy who's sitting in the American Hockey League, that all he can do is fight, he ain't playing in the NHL anymore. So it, it, it's very difficult to get a matchup for Tom Wilson that can take him on toe-to-toe. There aren't well, that many guys left in the league who can do that. Look at Simmons and Elder the other night. Elder took out Hyman with a knee. This guy, it was totally instinct reaction to do that. Yeah. But he need him, put out a top Toronto player. He had to answer the bell, and he did. And Simmons, it almost looked like Simmons almost said to him, good job, like after he fought him. Like he, he knew he, at Simmons' role with the guard from him, he went and beat him up and let him know. And I'll tell you what, if they, they won't be playing Vancouver, but the next time they play Vancouver, they'll be a little more careful because they know they've got to answer. So there's definitely a role, and Simmons can play. Yeah, no, so, that's, you, you need a guy, you need, if you're going to have an enforcer nowadays, he's, he's got to be able to play hockey too. They just can't have those guys who just drop their gloves anymore. No, Anyways, no, no, Mike. No, no, no. No. We've uh, we've taken up. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. our our time is our enemy, as uh, as, as always. Says. As always, I I want to give you an opportunity to promo your podcast. You're doing some great work. So uh, tell our listeners know where they can uh, where they can catch up with you. Well, Rick Rick Live and I have a podcast called Spin the Ultimate Leafs Fan. We are on all the uh, podcast networks. We're on uh, iTunes. Uh, you can get us on YouTube. You can get us on my website, ultimatelyfan.com or Rick's uh, Rickvibe.com. We're on Instagram. We've had 45 shows. We've had basically every Maple Leaf. We've had the Hound Line, Boris Salming. We've had uh, you know we had Marcel Dion on this week. He was fantastic. You know we've had 
all kinds of guys, lots of great shows. They're all on there for everybody to watch this week. As I said, we have Doug Smith on, great guy. Uh, we're going to talk about the movie Goon and, uh, you know, how it was inspired from, uh, you know, his uh, how he played the game. And he only played at DCHL level and a little bit of the American Hockey League. But uh, we just try to have some fun with the players. Come on, tell great stories. And we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, that's pretty much it. Have a, have a listen and send us a note. We certainly will. Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. We'll, uh, we'll let you go, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be right back with Robert Thompson, acclaimed golf raider. Uh, Mike Weir won for the first time. on is on the Seniors Tour this time since 2007, last Sunday. We'll chat about that. And uh, let's chat about the golf stay-at-home order in the province of Ontario. We'll be right back with Robert Thompson. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just $13.99. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. His only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on AM 740, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. And live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.com. We're hoping to have Robert Thompson, acclaimed golf raider, have been able to connect just yet. We will keep trying. Uh, certainly would love to have a golf discussion this morning and uh, with uh, with Robert, who's uh, very opinionated on a lot of different matters. But uh, the perils of live radio, sometimes those connections are difficult to make. We will certainly keep trying. Lots to talk about. And... Uh, 
So we can get a hold of Robert. Why don't we open up the lines, Naz? I'll throw out the numbers if you're interested in uh, giving us a call. By all means, we'd love to have you give us a call. Those numbers really quickly. Area code 416-360-0740. Toll free, one 866 Zero. We'll keep trying to get a hold of uh, Robert Thompson. Naz, uh, I don't know if you got the opportunity this week, another big hockey story. Uh, it was exciting hockey. Uh, um, you know, you take uh, you, you take hockey wherever you can get it this, this year. The top under-18 hockey players in the world were playing in Texas. And Canada had a had a great result. We won the gold medal. Looked fantastic throughout the whole tournament. We're basically in the lead in every single game, except for the final against Russia, where we had to come back. Uh, two players, uh, amazing the amount of talent that you see. Uh, two players uh, stood out on the Canadian team. Uh, uh, it's, uh, Shea, um, uh, Connor Bedard and Shane Wright. Um, who are not even draft eligible this year. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, Shane's eligible in the 2022 draft, and Connor Bedard, 15-year-old, is eligible in the 2023 draft. What what I found amazing, Naz, is the skill level that you see amongst these young players. It's truly, truly exceptional. Connor Bedard, he's making... making moves and scoring goals that you know 75 percent of the players in the nhl can't do so uh uh well, certainly they're, they're remarkable you're going to be tanking for that guy boy who's he remind you of let me let me throw this one to actually mike Sidney Wilson, crosby he reminds you of crosby i i yeah, was gonna throw yeah. out, i was gonna throw out another shot. yeah i was gonna throw out another name at you uh marcel dion uh, just from a physical stature point of view, he's got he's got uh, he's got Marcel Dion stature, uh, a diminutive player, I guess as they as they call it, and uh, uh, certainly skill level moves beyond belief. And uh, the other kid, the captain of the Canadian team, certainly uh, you know uh, remarkable talents. Uh, certainly bodes well. Uh, a lot of a lot of great Canadian kids coming down the pipeline, and for that matter. The Russians had a had a 16 year old uh, uh, on their team that will, is not draft eligible till 2023, and he was the most valuable player of the tournament and the leading scorer. Um, so that um, you know uh, they've uh, they got they got talent coming from uh, every direction. That's yeah, very very interesting. That the Canada's up front. They're going to be awesome in the next five six years. What a great great uh, talent on that team and uh being 15 years old and playing that way unbelievable yeah it's certainly uh much to look forward to anyways uh we've got a call kevin from buffalo what's on your mind this morning good morning gentlemen a very pleasant sunday to you and and to your families a very best mother's day uh greetings. thank you and thank you kevin was going to bring up the subject um Toronto, the Blue Jays, uh, Mr. Biggio yesterday, quite a game in Houston, and his dad was in the attendance, and uh, by the way, a a very nice turnout for the Astro-Blue Jay game, but as as a sidebar, 
here in Buffalo, they are renovating the downtown stadium. You could not imagine they have taken the outfield and putting a new outfield. Uh, they're, they're behind the right field area building batting cages, and they are really putting a lot in with uh, the Blue Jays playing here. But it's quite interesting, gentlemen, because as you know, with the border being closed, if it opens, then Toronto goes, the Blue Jays naturally go back to Toronto, and the AAA franchise is playing in Trenton, New Jersey, which is remarkable, where all their home games, they're basically away all year. So it's a very interesting uh, setting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, naturally, Major League Baseball and the Blue Jays, but to close, be very interesting, Governor Cuomo on May 19th, an announcement on what the attendance, what they'll have to go by, because to me, gentlemen, I sort of miss the old days when you could walk to the ticket office and buy a ticket for a game. Uh, I, I realize we are in the era of computer and smartphone, but sort of taking away from like a, yeah. you know, the old days of going to the ball game, just buying a ticket and so forth. But Kevin, I'm gonna I'm gonna thank you for your call. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about it briefly. We have our we have our special guest now on the line. Well, we always thank you for your call. Uh, the Blue Chaser are coming to Buffalo, and uh, certainly Naz and I will take the opportunity to uh, discuss your comments. Uh, uh, thank you so much for your call, Kevin. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Have a good week, gentlemen. Uh, very much, Naz. We will, uh, we've got Robert Thompson on the line, so I want to get to Robert. Uh, we'll certainly follow up with Kevin's uh, call at, uh, at the appropriate time. At this time, we're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour acclaimed journalist and golf writer, Robert Thompson. Good morning, Robert. Thanks to you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, good morning. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's uh, our pleasure. Uh, Robert, let's get to it. Mike Weir. Let's talk about something positive. Mike Weir broke a 14, close to 14-year drought on the uh, being in the winner's circle. I believe the last time was at the Fries Open back in Arizona in 2007. Uh, he won last week at the uh, Insperity, or the, can't remember the name of it, but uh, watched it certainly. Um, his game, it seems to, uh, he's, he's managed a, a quite a few top 10 so far this year, Uh your thoughts, Robert, on, on Weir's game and uh, certainly your personally how you react to Mike Weir winning again. Well, I, I actually talked to Mike the week uh, the week prior to him going to, to, to winning. And, I mean, um, he, he's had free, awful golf for a long time. He's had, he's had injuries. He's had personal issues. Um, you know, he, under, he had a pretty – unfortunate divorce. The divorce was really contentious. He, he spent a lot of time with his two daughters uh, before they went to college. So, And he, he struggled through a series of injuries. So there's a good almost decade in there where Mike Weir did not play golf the way we had you know, gotten used to watching Mike Weir play golf. And uh, I think for a lot of people, he's still you know, the, probably the greatest Canadian male professional golfer with the most wins of the PGA Tour tied with George Knudsen. Um, 
but yeah, I talked to him the week before. He actually won for for a piece I was doing, and um, you know, he's just hitting the ball really well. He's been a new coach for the last couple of years, and his driving the ball was a lot better. And he was he was in a good spot. I don't know if he thought he would win, but I think he felt he was uh, certainly in a position where he could win now. Um, and then you know, he ends up in Texas battling you know John Daly with his. Uh, Santa Claus beard and, uh, and, and, and pants that you could see from outer space. And, uh, um, he, you know, and, and to be honest, I think right up to the end, I mean, Mike looked great. His putting wasn't maybe as sharp as people had anticipated. And I, I think a lot of expectation was, well, especially heading in the last hole, that Daly, who's still quite a long hitter, would take advantage of it. And somehow, John Daly managed to put a wedge in the water, and Mike Weir, you know, Hit the green in regulation, made two putts, and, and won for the first time. Of, as you point out, almost 14 years, um, which is pretty remarkable. And, and the call after he had a call with a handful of journalists afterwards, and, and he was uh, reflective and uh, certainly humbled by the whole experience of what's gone on last more than a decade. But it was it was quite something actually. And I I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, he started out well this week in the first major on the Champions Tour, but, um, you know, kind of faded a bit. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he wins a few more times on, on the Champions Tour. He certainly looks like he's in the position to do that. Naz? Mike Weir doesn't hit the ball that far, but it's better for him on the this tour, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's there's still lots of guys. I, I had... Uh, um, it's a few years removed, but I worked as a producer for the Shaw tournament in Calgary for W. You should be surprised at how many guys out there do hit the ball far now. But truthfully, Mike is actually hitting the ball as long as he probably ever has. And shockingly, with a lot of confidence off the tee, um, really his driving had been a real... He was never a great driver, even his best and it highlights of his career in 2003-2004. He wasn't a tremendous driver of the golf ball. He was a world-class short game, and he was good enough at everything. Um, but he, he stepped up and hit some really great drives. And certainly not you know, his putting, but it slowed him down in this win. But uh, that was the only thing. He looked really solid. And so, yeah, he's long enough. He's long enough. He can get, he can get away with it, champions to a little bit. But, uh, but he's hitting the ball pretty well. We're talking to Robert Thompson. Robert, uh, let's talk about golf a little bit closer to home, uh, uh, with your permission. Um, we're in a, we're in a there's, go- there's no golf in Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, well, then let, 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 it's let's illegal. Talk they can arrest you at the golf course. Yeah, well, it's happened, hasn't it? Uh, let's, let's chat a little bit about that. Uh, supposedly, the stay-at-home order was set to expire on May 20th or May 21st, I can't remember the date. There's rumors. I don't know if they've been 100% confirmed that the provincial government is going to extend the closure of golf courses till June the 2nd, which has got golfers in the province of Ontario all up in arms. It's got the golf industry somewhat, uh, I don't even know the exact words, but uh, let's leave that one. Um, And... We are somewhat concerned why golf courses need to be closed. Apparently, we're the only place in the world right now where golf courses are closed, although I hear Manitoba's thinking about the same move. Robert, your thoughts on, um, you know, we, we all understand the difficult pickle that the Ontario government is in, uh, but we've been told since 
day one to trust the science, uh, both here and south of the border, and to listen to the science. The science is not suggesting that golf is an unsafe sport. We now have a campaign going on, Let Us Play. Um, your thoughts on this, Robert? Well, I mean, the most recent there was the Pediatric Association in Ontario came out yesterday saying that uh, the, the lockdown of keeping people from outdoor activities is hurting children. And I'm like, holy cow, we're now at the point where we have you know, medical associations um, for, for children saying that we need to look at opening up outdoor activities. Um, I would say this. There was an interesting story in the Globe and Mail not that long ago that quoted the Irish Times saying of the million-plus cases of COVID-19 that Ireland has had, they can attribute 123 to outdoor spread. So that would lead me to believe that the outdoors are, are not only safe, it's almost like you know, really, truly, horribly bad luck to get COVID if you're interacting with somebody in the outdoors. And there's no examples. You know, golf exploded last year as one of the few things we were allowed to do, um, you know, with children's sports and other things being canceled. Golf was, we were allowed to do that last summer. And as far as anybody can tell, there are no instances of spread through golf courses in Canada last year. So then you ask yourself, well, why are we closing golf if there's no spread? I think the premier's... Um, Premier Doug Ford has really struggled to articulate the reasoning for that. And I think that, uh, truthfully, I think it comes down to probably mobility, and they've tried to sort of walk it back now and say, well, this is really about, you know, golfers. I, I'm in London, Ontario, and apparently I'm going to get in a car and drive to Kingston to play golf tomorrow if golf were open, which I think is probably quite ridiculous. Um, so they're concerned about mobility in connection with golf, and that's why we Truthfully, I was out yesterday to visit my mother because my mother's, I'm her primary, she lives on her own, and I'm her primary caregiver, right? So I was able to to drive 45 minutes to do that. And if I wanted to go play golf tomorrow, I could get in my car, I I could book my tea time online, I could pay for it online, I could drive to the course, I wouldn't have to go into a building, I could walk to the tea, I could play, I could get back in my car, and I could come home. And I I really think the struggle that people are facing is um, how does that? contribute to the spread of COVID in any way. And I think the government have failed to make that argument at this point. And I think a lot of people are fed up about it. And uh, I, so I think there are a lot of golf courses that are really hurting because of it. And, yeah. and the longer this goes, the bigger big yeah. an issue it becomes. Uh, I, I just with your indulgence, Naz, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd like to follow up on that. You, you did raise the... Uh, Canadian Pediatric Society, they came out with a public statement on May 7th. I just want to quote some of, the, some of what they actually said uh, in their statement. This is from the Canadian Pediatric Society. We cannot overstate the extent of the mental health crisis facing our children and youth. Our clinics and hospitals are overrun with families seeking care for children and youth in distress. Sick Kids study says 70% of children reported deterioration in their mental health. The Canadian Pediatric Society finished in their statement that we should immediately reopen outdoor recreation spaces. And I want to make this clear. You know, golfers are being accused of being selfish here. Um, I don't think it's just about golfers here. I think it's about the ability to do things outside that we fall under that umbrella. I'll leave that aside from now. Let's take it to, let's take another discussion, Robert, that I want you 
that you have more expertise than I do. We've come up with a let us play um, campaign. I think what's being lost in the dis- this discussion is, okay, you know, we're going to make a-, a lot of golfers happy because they get out to go out and enjoy themselves. And presumably there's no science that suggests that that's dangerous in any respect. But the campaign might also should be said, let us work. Golf is yeah. just not a plaything. It's an industry. It's a major industry in the province of Ontario that employs, I don't know, more than 100,000 people, but a lot of people who are suffering as well because they cannot earn their livelihoods. This is an industry that seems to have been shut down for, for lack of a better term, no good reason. Uh, although I may be a little bit going over the top by saying that, but perhaps not for the right reasons. Your comments on that, Robert? Well, I think it's optics. I think that there's a, the, the provincial government of Ontario has made some significant missteps and um, are now afraid of walking this back. The most recent things was a quote in the Toronto Star saying that they couldn't possibly let golf go back until they reopen schools. Well, there's no chance we're reopening schools in this school calendar year. We're not going to, I don't have any expectation my children to go back to school uh, before the end of June. Um, you've got a valid point, and, and I mean, it's actually sort of more troublesome when you think about the fact that golf courses need to be maintained currently. So you can't just stop and pull all your crews off a golf course in in May. You're having to cut grass, you're having to maintain a golf course, but you have no revenue coming in. So it's actually costing golf courses money. They, they can't just shut down and have nothing. It's actually costing them money to keep it open with no revenue coming in. And this is going to become a problem this is already a problem, obviously, at the public facilities, which require a, a solid year. And, if, and, you know, remember last year, we were opening in another week, and they're now saying that could go two or three weeks beyond what we did last year. So that's lost revenue for these operations. Um, I, it's a business problem. It's a, a human problem at this point with lack of ability to get outside. And I don't think the government's shown any foresight and, and truthfully not shown any direction as to what anybody should anticipate. You know, the premier's gone into hiding. Um, all the quotes we hear on this are from uh, sort of anonymous aides saying comments about, you know, golf has been lobbying and, and you know, they're not going to do anything. I, they uh, Apparently, they've said that, you know, only 10% of Ontarians play golf. I actually think that number's low, but, uh, and that only 5% of those 10, that 10% are hardcore golfers. And they've basically done a political calculation and said, if we annoy these people um, by keeping them close, so be it. So, you know, I, I think it's a really dicey political strategy, and I know that there are a lot of MPPs that are concerned about jobs in an upcoming election. Uh, uh, Robert, un- unfortunately, uh, Robert, I, I, I really apologize. Unfortunately, my producer has just buzzed me in the air. In the air, hit our witching hour, which is ten o'clock. No which worries. Is, which is uh, it's live radio. I'm sure you know what it's like. Uh, I'd love to spend another half an hour chatting with you about this, and maybe we will at some point in the future. I'll just say thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your insights. Thanks for your time, Robert Thompson. Naz, uh, we've got to go. Last word. What? Opening the schools has anything to do with opening the golf courses, I wonder. It's not trust the science, Naz. It's trust the politics. I'll leave it at that. To all our listeners, have a fantastic and safe week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thank you.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.